man, I don't know about this whole spontaneous applause during worship thing, but I, I, it's kind of nice to see responsive hearts. God's stirring. That's good. It's good stuff. Hey, this morning, as a celebration of Pastor Appreciation Week, I'm not going to preach, so you're welcome. <laughs> um, I actually, uh, to give you a little context, uh, Josh Grimes is a church planner in our district, um, a really cool guy. Uh, he's an entrepreneur, uh, he's a kingdom-minded uh, leader, and um, I want to give a little bit of context by way of introducing him, not only to him, he can tell you a little bit more about himself and all that kind of stuff, but kind of where we are as a church family with regard to church planting, because we actually have a pretty robust history, not that God is done with us, but God has used this church and is actually using this church right now to support the work of church planting uh, on different fronts. And so that's not something we really talk about a whole lot. And so I wanted just to give a little bit of context to that uh, to give you a, a sort of understanding of what we're doing. We've just finished a series that we called Rebuild uh, and talking about experiencing the presence of God, encountering his restoration. Um, and so as he has been doing that, we, we finished the series with this promise that Jesus said, I will build my church. That's what he said. That's what Jesus is, in fact, doing all around the world right now. And I'm so glad for opportunities like this where we're going to kind of build on that now into a new series that we're entitling Church on Mission. This is a theme we have visited before, and I'm certain it's a, church we, a, a theme we will visit again, uh, Church on Mission. But it, it, it builds on this promise that Jesus is, in fact, building his church. I just got off of a call recently from people who came back from Egypt and talking about the revival that God is doing there in Egypt in places where you would think it would be very close to the gospel, and yet Jesus is building his church. And he's doing that in Europe, and he's doing that in Asia, he's doing it in South America, and he's doing that in Lock Haven. Yes, Josh is from Lock Haven today. So giving you just a little context uh, of our church planting history, if you go all the way back to 1975, I want to show you a couple things on the, on the screen here. Go all the way back to 1975. Uh, this church, that's our little symbol in the middle, State College Alliance, uh, planted a campus church called Alliance Christian Fellowship, which is actually in session right now and continued to go. So they've been around for 46 years, uh, blessing thousands of students and equipping and sending and doing all kinds of great stuff. And so that was a, a taste of church planting that, that we did way back when. And if you think about a little bit more recent history, we think, could think about uh, Penns Valley Community Church, which was actually a church that was planted out of this church body several years ago. And then they went on to plant Center Church, which is active still in the community today. It's had a couple different iterations, but we have churches that are continuing to do kingdom impact. And because of those efforts, literally hundreds, if not thousands of lives being impacted in one way or another. So this is, it's just kind of cool stuff that God has done through our efforts with church planting. Uh, fast forward a little bit more recently, that symbol up on the top is the Williamsport Church called City Alliance. That was largely a group of ACF students from campus that were from the Williamsport area that started a Christian Missionary Alliance Church with our denomination that is continuing uh, today, and God is doing incredible good things uh, through them. And then City Light Church over in the Philadelphia area, that was a church plant that came directly from our campus ministry that has now grown to three different uh, sites, multiple services at each site, and impacting, again, thousands of people. 
So when you think about the scope of what God has been doing in the realm of church planting, it's kind of awesome. I don't think we've arrived. We're not ready to write the book on it. We're just simply saying we're thanking God for the work that he's done. Here's something that you might not know. For many of these uh, groups, when they were getting started or when they were kind of in their fledgling kind of place, uh, our church actually budgets from our regular budget. We budget for church planting support. So at any point, if there's a church plant that's happening kind of in our network, if we're not directly doing it, we still can say, hey, we can provide some monthly support for you. So I was talking to Josh Grimes because he's in Lock Haven, and if you put up the last little slide, here's his little group there. Uh, remember that little logo that's hard to see, but you'll see it a little bit better. This is the common place. If you've been through Lock Haven Avenue 209, is that the name of your coffee? shop, right? I've been there and uh, other people maybe have been to Lock Haven. Stop by Avenue 209. Josh actually started that coffee shop and they did church planting ministry through that. And the coffee shop is still running today and they're doing all kinds of good things. So when Josh and I were talking about a new church planting endeavor that they were working on uh, just the, the last few months, we've been talking about that. I said, hey, we're not currently, we don't have a targeted church plant that we're giving our budgeted money toward. And so let us be a supporter for you on that. But I said, Josh, maybe you could do one even better. Let us support you, but why don't you come and spend some time? So we put today on the calendar as an opportunity for Josh to share his heart for church planting. And I'll tell you what, what sitting through the first service, my heart was just stirring. And I think your heart is going to be stirring a little bit as well, because this whole new series, what a great way to kick it off, Church on Mission. That, that we are not rebuilt and put together simply to exist well, but that we have a mission that Christ has called us to. This is a part of that mission. It's not all of that mission, but it's a part of that mission. So with that in mind, I'm going to invite you uh, to welcome, a big warm State College welcome, Josh Grimes, who's going to come up and share us with us a little bit today. I do want to say one other thing before I hand you the microphone. Uh, I met Josh when he was a high school student. So we actually go way back. When I was doing youth ministry in Western Pennsylvania, we had a Bible quizzing team, which is what it sounds like. You learn Bible stuff and then you go competitions on it. And there was this kid from this other church who was like unstoppable. He was like the Bible quizzing champion. He was like a pastor's kid. So it was like, ah, oh, man, you know, unfair advantage. Homeschool, homeschool pastor's kid. There was no competing with this kid. And that was Josh. So that's when I first met him. We didn't go to the same church, but we, we got to know each other just a little bit because he was sort of famous in those circles. And then later on found out that he went on to become a church planter uh, within our denomination. And so it's been so cool to reconnect with him over these last many years. And now that when, when that was happening, he was ending high school. I had just finished college, so we're really not that far apart, and I was noticing that I'm getting these white hairs in my yeah. beard, and you've got some, you've got some you. yeah, we're getting, uh, we're getting older, but wiser maybe at the same time, so it really is a joy. Let's give one more welcome to Josh Grimes, and we'll turn it over to him. I, uh, that's the first time I've ever been told I'm famous in, uh, in, in any circle, but the Bible quiz circle is very small. It's one of those things that anytime I try to explain to someone what Bible quizzing is, eyebrows just go up. Like, they just, it's difficult to grasp that concept. But anyway, um, I'm grateful that I can be here and share with you today kind of two things. One is to inspire within you um, some dreaming and some, um, some encourage the entrepreneurs and the, 
uh, your church in thinking about what's next, how you can be on mission, and also to share with you the story uh, that you've already been a part of for the last 12 years in Lock Haven. Um, and so, but before I do that, I'm going to talk about honeybees because they make good segues. Um, so this year, whether it was being in, um, stuck at home in the pandemic or what, I decided to become a beekeeper. Any beekeepers here? I was told there might be some beekeepers. All right, we got some. Now I've got to get my facts straight. Um, so uh, I, I had a couple friends who kept bees, and they were very intelligent men who I admired, and I thought, well, maybe if I kept bees, I'd also become very intelligent and admired. It turns out I didn't need to worry about that. I'm famous already in <laughs> Bible quizzing circles. Um, and so uh, anyway, I ordered what's called a package of bees. You can see it in this picture up here. It's 10,000 bees from Georgia. came in a box, and I was terrified, so I had my daughter carry them. <laughs> and um, you, you, you take these bees, there's, another, there's a queen in there, and you shake them into another box, that's the hive, and boom, you're in business. You're suddenly a beekeeper. And uh, it didn't take me too long to figure out that bees did two things really well. Um, well, actually three. They were very good at stinging, and um, I've had to navigate that. Um, but uh, they make honey, obviously, that's why we get them, right? And they make more bees. With bees, during the summer, a bee will live about 40 days, and so they've got to constantly be reproducing the hive. And uh, every, typically, a healthy hive left to itself will undergo this phenomenon called swarming, and when a, a hive swarms, the queen bee takes half of the bees with her, and she leaves the hive and goes starts and starts a new hive, and she only does that, the hive will only engage in that generally if they've already raised up a new queen bee to take her place after she leaves. Uh, and so, as a beekeeper, one of your main jobs is to, you don't want your bees to do this. Like, it's bad if your bees, like, you just lose half your bees all at once. And so, you have to go in and you put on a suit. That's the first step, okay? Um, and you inspect your hives. And if you start to see that they're building these things called queen cells, these are the little nurseries for queen bees, you can do a couple of things. Number one, you can go in there and you can squish them. You can kill the, the baby queens. Um, and in doing so, you prevent the hive from swarming because they generally will not leave unless there's a, a queen to replace it. I heard some aws out there. Squishing, squishing, squishing the baby queens. Um, um, and then and usually you would add a box to your hive because one of the reasons bees want to swarm is there's not enough room for them. And so you stack another box on top and the bees can move up and expand. Or the other option you have is you can take those, those frames that have the queens on them, the, queens, the baby queens, and you can put them in another box and take some of the resources, the honey and the, 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 the pollen and some worker bees, and put them in another box and start a separate hive. Basically, you're, you're doing what the, the bees were about to do on their own, but now you've, you've contributed and you haven't lost your bees. And the downside is that spring you probably won't have as much honey, but by the fall, you should have two productive, strong, healthy colonies that will give you a very nice flow. And so the beekeeper's job is to discern, is this a hive that I want to split and multiply, or is this a hive that I just want to keep here and add more boxes to it? And interestingly, um, this whole thing, this new hobby of mine, coincided with our church's church planting efforts, and, and I began to see incredible analogies 
all the way through. And, uh, and so I took that approach. I, I multiplied my hive, and I multiplied more hives, and some of them worked and some of them didn't. But as I'm getting ready for winter now, I have five hives, and uh, hopefully some of them survive the winter, and we're good to go for the spring. Now, 12 years ago, I'm going to switch now to church planting because this isn't a bee convention. This is about mission. Uh, 12 years ago, well, I should say 15 years ago, I became a pastor of a little uh, church in Lock Haven called Fairview Community Church. It had been started in the, in the 1930s. And after a year of pastoring there, um, we ended up closing that congregation It was, uh, and then restarting or beginning the process of thinking about what could church look like differently. As we looked at our neighborhood, we saw that we were in a small college community that not many churches were making an impact in. Um, I loved business as well as I loved ministry, and so I also loved coffee and after a year or so of planning and dreaming, we went and started a for-profit corporation, Avenue Coffee, which also now has a coffee roasting, a wholesale roasting company along with it, and, um, and we started to have church in a coffee shop. At that point in time, my goal was to survive. Like, if I could get people to show up at this thing, I was going to be so happy. The idea of being the kind of church that started more churches was foreign to me. Um, it, in my mind, churches that planted more churches were in large urban centers that had big, robust populations, not central Pennsylvania. If you've ever been to Lock Haven, you know it's not a booming metropolis. Um, honeybees outnumber um, people there. Uh, anyhow, and so... Uh, that was my operating instructions. And, and over the years, I'll talk about how this changed, God began to shift my perspective on this um, to the point now that I believe that churches starting more churches is one of the most effective ways to multiply the kingdom of God, and it helps us to stay on mission. So you, as a church, have helped to contribute to a great number of other churches, and you don't seem to um, be at a loss for that. It seems as though while you have sent out church planters from here and contributed resources to church plants, God has continued to bless you and your church has continued to thrive. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that you should, it's, as, a, as a sending church, you would send people out and that would be good for you, but it turns out it is. And I think today this crowd is, is a testimony to that. Um, I'm reminded that um, being sent ones is not just the job of missionaries or church planters. I think it's the normal thing God just wants his people to do. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples in verse 18. And, and as he prays, he says to his Father in heaven, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Like, it's in Jesus' DNA to, to be sent, and now it's going to be in his disciples. A few chapters later, he is speaking to his disciples directly in chapter 20, verse 21 of John, and he repeats this pretty much verbatim and says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So it seems like being a sent one is synonymous with being a healthy disciple, that being sent is not just the job of pastors and missionaries, it's the ordinary journey of every Christian. And so I think that honeybees are onto something. I think that multiplication and, and, and rather than addition is the normal way that God created nature to, to, to multiply and to thrive, and I think it's the normal way he wants his church to grow. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about this, because at times it feels counterintuitive. Like, 
it, it, it doesn't always make sense to take resources out of a hive when it's so much easier to just add another box and make the hive bigger. Um, one of the interesting shifts in, in America I've observed, I grew up in a pastor's as my dad was a pastor and my grandfather was a pastor, and so I've seen church develop over the years, is that um, there's been a shift from the church being at the center of culture to being at the margins of culture. And what I mean is that it used to be that if you were new to a neighborhood and you wanted to meet people or you were running for public office and wanted people to think well of you or you were, wanted to be known as a reputable business person, that being affiliated or connected with a local church, regardless of whether or not you really love Jesus, was good for you. Like it, you looked good in your community. Um, and, and in that framework, one of the easiest ways to grow a church is to have the model of what J.D. Greer in his book, Gaining by Losing, calls um, a cruise liner. I've never been on a cruise ship, but I brought a picture of one in case you didn't know what they looked like. And um, uh, from what I've been told, cruise ships are fantastic places. I mean, you get to new destinations that are exotic and fun, and the, the food is great, the entertainment is fantastic, the hospitality is top-notch. And the whole goal of a cruise ship is to make the passengers as comfortable as possible, uh, and hopefully they have a great time and they come back again. And when church is in the center of culture, um, this model works because everybody wants to go to church, and so you just go to the cruise ship that has the best stuff, the best kids' ministry, the best coffee. We've got really good coffee at our church. Um, the, the, you know, you, and, and what happens oftentimes in this model is churches tend to compete for the marketplace. And so we don't really necessarily win new people for Jesus, but we shuffle them around pretty effectively. Um, and, uh, and so I don't think that that's what was in Jesus' heart. Now, don't get me wrong, I am not against cruises, first of all, uh, or good hospitality, or wonderful facilities, or good food and great coffee. What I... What I think happens oftentimes is that those are a means to an end, but they sometimes shift to become the end themselves. And it's so easy because like we just love to be comfortable. I like to be comfortable. When I want to decide what time to have church, I want it to fit my schedule. You know, I want things to work out well for me. And, um, and so those things, though, I think are secondary to our call to live as missionaries. When I am operating like a cruise line captain as a pastor, um, I, I can sense this in my life because I start to become really jealous of other churches. I look at what other churches have, their resources, and I think, how can I, how can I measure up? One time I went to a church that you checked your kids into kids' ministry, and they went down a tube slide to the kids' program. You can't do that in a coffee shop. Like, and and I, I was, you know... So there's a resentment that starts to grow. I compare myself to others. I, I think if I only had the resources that that church had, if my hive looked like that hive, boy, I'd have lots of honey. Um, and, uh, and yet when I look at the New Testament, what I see is that the church blossomed and grew when it was scrappy and nimble and didn't have a lot of resources. They were laser focused on mission at that point in their time. Because people, while the church is not at the center of culture any longer, people still need Jesus. Like They still are looking for him. And they need to encounter him, I believe, in their friendships with you and in meals with your home as you coach their little league team before they will even come into your church. 
I believe that we need to prioritize our personal evangelism over programs. So a better model, if you're going to keep going with um, ships, might be that of an aircraft carrier. So an aircraft carrier floats on water. I brought a picture of that too. Um, uh, but its, its goal is the mission, and the mission is for, for an aircraft carrier is to provide a landing pad for the pilots to refuel and to uh, have a meal, to get their, their instructions and their mission in order so that they are then sent out. And I think that's a really beautiful way of what God has intended the church to be. We are a place that sends out his people throughout the week. It's why in Ephesians chapter 4 it says that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so my hope is that today you'll be a little inspired to think creatively like a missionary does. In fact, think on that same tone. I've observed, growing up in a Christian and missionary alliance home, um, we would have missionary conferences every year, and we would get people in from the wilds of Africa who would share their stories. I grew up as I said, in a homeschooled pastor's kid, as a homeschooled pastor's kid, like this, our, our textbooks were, were like the stories of great missionaries, like Nate Satan, Through Gates of Splendor, these people who went to new places. And, um, and, uh, and when we send out missionaries, we expect certain things of them. We want them to learn the language of the places that they're going and to eat the food of the people. That's part of the great stories. Like, I can't believe you ate a bug or whatever it was you, they ate. Or you wanted them to dress in ways that, um, that help them to build relationships. And you want them to meet their neighbors and to develop ways to serve their communities. Like, these are all things that we celebrate and bless as, as we send out missionaries. Oftentimes, I observe, like, there's a disconnect when it comes to our own lives and, and my own life around how I behave as a sent one, that I am far more stuck in my wanting to be comfortable than I am willing to try something new for the sake of the gospel to reach the lost. And, um, and so my challenge for me personally has been to not delegate evangelism, as I said, just to the church, but rather to make it a normal part of my life as well. So let me share a little bit about what this is looking like at our church, the Commonplace, or the Commonplaces Church as we're calling it now. Um, what I've just said about how church planting and multiplication is, I think, a healthy and a normal way that all churches should embrace. It's a good thing. The way in which our church goes about it does not necessarily need to be replicated everywhere, but I'll share with you kind of the heart behind what we've done. Um, three years ago, our church was just growing and growing and growing, and you couldn't fit too many people in a coffee shop, and so we began to add services. We were at three services, um, and we had expanded our ministry space to include children's ministry that was important for us. Your church actually helped to contribute to that process so that we could have a, a safe place and environment for our kids' programming. Um, uh, one of the things that I learned quickly about planting a church with college students is they're poor all the time. Um, and then we send them out about the time they get jobs. Um, and so churches like yours have been a great blessing to the commonplace over the years. Um, uh, but so anyway, we, what we wanted to do was to add some more boxes to our hive. And so we began to look for a bigger coffee shop. 
Um, not because the coffee shop needed to be bigger. The coffee shop was the perfect size for a coffee shop. Um, but it wasn't the perfect size for a church. And so at one point, we almost bought this ginormous building downtown. Um, and we're going to use a fraction of it for a coffee shop. But then it was going to open up into this large place for, for our church to worship in. Uh, and then it burned down. And so that was the end of that one. Um, but along the way, God just kind of obstacles. He closed doors over and over again as we tried to move into a larger hive. And finally, we just began as leaders to say, maybe we're asking the wrong questions. Is it possible for a church of 130 to plant another church? That's about how big our church was at the time um, prior to COVID. And, uh, and because up to this point, I had resisted it heavily. Like, no, no, that's, we're not big enough to do that. Um, uh, but we sensed that this is what God was calling us to do. And so we began to plan and to dream about what would it look like to plant another congregation um, and still have a meaningful ministry in the coffee shop. And then COVID came along. Did you guys experience COVID here? Or was that just a Lock Haven thing? Um, and in the process of this, we had to find, as, as churches began to reopen, you know, we were having 80 people in a coffee shop. There's no social distancing there. We're all, you know, sharing coffee cups. Um, we didn't really do that. Everybody gets their own coffee cup. Um, and so we moved our congregation to the local movie theaters, the Roxy, a historic movie theater in town. And we began to have church there while continuing to plan for a church plant. And what we discovered was that meeting in a movie theater kind of fit us well. It was also a common place uh, that was well-known in the community, a place where people already meet and uh, fit our mission of kind of removing barriers that might keep people from, from coming to church. Uh, and so uh, about four or five weeks ago, we started publicly, uh, restarted church in the coffee shop with our church plant team. So we kind of did it in reverse. We sent a team back. So our vision, what God has put on our heart, is to create a network of small, nimble, reproducing churches that gather where people already meet. We use co-vocational pastors, um, Chad Long is our church planning pastor at the coffee shop, and he also works uh, three days a week at uh, a business here in, in State College called Nittany Controls. He builds control panels, um, and then he works for the church part-time. And the way that we can make this happen is that we share a, a root system. So if you look at our logo, it's got this picture. Someone was once praying for me, and they said, you know, I've got this picture of what you're describing of your church as like an aspen grove. Aspen trees are... Um, they, they all share the same roots, uh, but they, you'll see different trees sprout up, but they're actually all one organism. Those are not, don't look like aspen trees, I know that. Um, we, tried to, we tried to do aspen trees, they didn't look right, so we just went with pine. So we've created a whole new subculture of trees um, <laughs> that share, that, pine trees that share a root system. Uh, anyway, well that's the idea. So we share administration, we share youth and college ministry, um, and uh, a lot of the things that make church planting cumbersome as we thought back through our first church plant. And the idea is that these new churches will spring up in common places where people already meet. Maybe Jesus will have us plant a church together. That would be fun. Um, anyhow, a few uh, weeks ago, I came home from work one day for lunch, and I went back to my beehives. One of my favorite things is to go watch my bees do their bee thing. Um, and, uh, and I got back there, and something was not right. I could just tell the air was thick with bees. Like they were, it was like a cloud of bees. And I thought, what is going on here? So I did what you do in this situation, and I Googled it. 
And I discovered that I had missed the signs and I had a honeybee hive that was about to swarm. No, they were in the process of swarming. I tried to coax them back. I put, literally, I put trap, like honeybee traps up to try to get them to come back. I sang to them, I, I yelled at them. Nothing would work. They landed in a branch on a tree as a big clump, you know, way beyond what I could, could, could get to them, and they were gone. I lost them. Thankfully, the hive still stayed there. I still have half the bees, and I did get honey from them this year. Um, but I missed an opportunity to work with that hive and to, I could have had six hives this year if I had just caught on to what was innately happening within the church. And I think that this is the normal thing that happens in our churches, that God is, like within the body, God is, is developing dreamers and and, and entrepreneurs and church planters. These are not necessarily the jobs of Bible colleges to develop these people. This most naturally happens within the local congregation. And so what if success didn't look like giant hives producing lots of honey for us as churches, but rather a rapidly multiplying network of churches that moves across our district in both large cities and in little communities? My hope for the State College, is that maybe today, as I've talked, you would, first of all, feel very encouraged because you have a legacy of doing this already, and your church is healthy because of it. And I think that's important, that there's a correlation to God's blessing on your church, and it can be hard to send out leaders, gifted people, to go start a new congregation, but he always fills in the gaps with new people. And maybe today you are sitting here thinking, like, I want to start something. Like there's something, there's a burden in my heart that I would love to think about more deeply. And as a church, you guys have already been a blessing to us. You have resources to enable those, those people to do the things that God is beginning to, to do, or put in their hearts. So that's my goal for you. I'm gonna have Aaron come up and do a little wrap up with us. Um, but thank you again for your faithful support to, to what we're doing in Lock Haven. You're welcome to come, visit us anytime. I'll sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Josh, thank you. Thanks for sharing your heart. I, I do love, I, I love the, the work that God has been doing and is doing and the fact that you're embracing that and calling us to do the same thing. Um, you know, there's something I think in our hearts and spirits that says like, yeah, you know, we want to be a sending church. We want to be engaged with, with his mission. And so I'm going to ask you to pray for us, okay? Uh, and then when he, he prays, we're going, to, we're going to sing one last song of worship. But um, to just kind of be in a place of receiving that, um, would you stand together? And Josh, would you pray for us? Just pray that our, our hearts would be really tuned in to the working of Jesus, who is the head of the church, you know? And so, like, you have two pastors standing before you acknowledging, we are not the masterminds of what Jesus is doing. Jesus is the head of the church, and we get to sort of help tend and care, and if we're doing our jobs well, I think we're getting in step with what he's doing. And so, as a church, I would love for us to receive that as well. So, Josh, I would just encourage you to pray that, and pray for courage for us, too, you know, pray that we would be courageous and, and not, not sort of stuck in our own pursuit of comfort because we don't want to do that. We want to be a people who honor the Lord. So, um, Josh, pray for us. Church, let's receive. Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to um, encourage
encourage and enable people to see what you're already doing. Like, I believe you're already doing these kinds of things in this congregation. There's already um, people who have ideas and initiatives or feeling like there's something that you're calling them into. And I'm going to pray against whatever barriers are in front of them, whether it is uh, they don't feel they're equipped or able to, or they um, feel insignificant. Um, you find them significant, and you think often, all the time, about the State College Alliance Church. Uh, this church is dear to your heart, and you have plans and dreams for that. And so, as Aaron said, I, I guess what I want is for you to, like, the eyes of our hearts to be uh, enlightened, and that we would see what you're already doing. And then as we respond in faith and courage, we'll see a lot of fruitfulness result in that. So would you bless this congregation with a gift of faith um, and with a listening heart to discover what you're doing among them. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, can we say thank you to Josh for being with us today? And as a response in worship to our good King, we'll lift up our voices together.